0: I'm telling you, this has been one of the funnest series I think I've ever preached in 19 years of ministry. Man, this has been a fun, fun series. The title of this morning's message is "Give Me a Sign." Right, all you single people that damage talking, give me a sign that you're still there. That was your sign that God hadn't forgotten about you. He gave you a word for all the single people in the house that He has not forgotten about you. Have you ever found yourself asking that question? Give me a sign. Right? I mean, in the years of ministry, I'm not going to lie to you. There's been, what, about every other day? It's like, God, give me a sign, right? Where we're going, where we're headed. And and we got that. And so the title of this morning's message is. And so in John chapter number two, verses one through 11 is where we're going to read this morning. We'll read this whole context. And so in verse number one, it says, On the third day, there was a wedding. Everybody say "A a wedding. Man, it was a celebration. Can I get an amen? There was a celebration that was taking place. I believe it was a celebration a lot like we had this morning. I believe this morning is a celebration, amen. I believe what God's doing here in the house is a celebration of who he is and what he wants to do. And so view this morning as a celebration. And there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, everybody say, it was gone. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus answered her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw out some of the water and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it, and when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good until now. He's saving the best for last, I'm telling you. If you're wondering where God is, I'm telling you right now, he's saving the best for last. He's saving it for right now for you in your life. And it says, this is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And the disciples and his disciples believed in him. And so like I've mentioned throughout this whole series, I want this whole series to be very practical. I want it to be practical. I want to give you something this morning that you can take home and use it in your life right when you walk out these doors at lunch on the lawn. Amen. Because we're all staying and eating and we're not going to run out of brisket. Amen. We're not going to run out of funnel cakes and all this other awesome stuff. Man, I'm excited about a funnel cake. I ain't even going to lie. You know? And, and so I just ruined somebody's anointing. They just looked down. <laughs> it's like, and so, so listen, man. I wanna encourage you this morning. I want this message to be very practical so when you leave here, you can apply it to your life. Um, If the message is not practical, and you cannot leave here and go apply it to your life, you've gotta ask yourself, did you really even encounter the gospel, the good news? Because the good news is always able to be applied to your life. And so I want this message to be very practical, and I want this series to be very practical. I hope you learn something new, but more than that, I want you to be able to apply what you already know. I want you to apply what you already know. It is not the amount of knowledge you have, but the amount that you use that makes the difference. Okay, I'm going to say it to this side because that's a lot better statement than y'all gave me an amen for. It's not the amount of knowledge that you have. It's the amount of knowledge that you use. You can have a great amount of knowledge, but if you don't use any of it, it's not going to benefit you at all. Every one of you has a great... food we're gonna eat we're not gonna apply that knowledge to right (laughs) amen hallelujah because this is a party and we're celebrating right and so I'm telling you all the knowledge that you have you can have vast amounts of knowledge but if you don't use it it does not benefit you I can give every one of you a hammer and you can tell me all about that hammer. Tell me how amazing that hammer is, how long it is, how heavy it is, the color of it, what it's used for. But unless you pick that thing up and start hitting a nail, it's not going to benefit you very much. So you can have great amount of knowledge, but if you don't use it, it's not going to benefit you. A lot of us come to church and we want more knowledge. We want new knowledge. We want to learn something brand new when we haven't even applied what we already know. So new knowledge, if you're not gonna use it, doesn't benefit you anyway. It just gives you the ability to say, I've got new knowledge. Nobody cares how much you know. They really don't. The world outside of this building does not care how much you know about the Bible. They care how you're practically applying the Bible to your life, and how the Bible will affect when it is applied to their life. So the church, by and large, in the internet information age gaining vast amounts of knowledge from from some of the greatest teachers and preachers around the world have not benefited the the, the mass um, uh, expediting of the kingdom of God. It hasn't. The fact of the matter is the more knowledge we have the lazier we become. The more access to knowledge we have the lazier we become. Right? Well, where's this scripture at? Instead of having to actually go look for it What do you do? Hey, Siri. Look up John chapter 2. Okay, searching Apple Books for John chapter. See, I didn't even have to look in my Bible anymore. See, the amount of access to knowledge we have makes us lazier, not better. So if in this series you've got great amounts of knowledge, but you haven't applied any of it, this knowledge hasn't benefited you at all. If you know all about what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary and how he has paid your sin debt and how he raised again in newness of life for you to have a glorified life and be filled with his new life in Christ Jesus, but you don't apply it, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus doesn't benefit you at all. And by and large we in the church we know all about what Jesus did but when is the last time we applied what he died for into our life so we can have a new life in Christ Jesus and make the gospel practical in our life so in this this is what I care about I want to live out my life of spirituality by being practical holy and making it deliverable so that people can, enter the, can have an encounter with God and have their life transformed because the Word of God is practical. It means it can be applied to your life. It's holy because Jesus is holy. We're not downgrading the Scripture, right? In fact, if you apply the Scripture, it upgrades the Scripture in your life. Some of y'all need an upgrade. It's practical, it's holy, but it's also deliverable. I don't want the Gospel to just stay with me. I want it to go to you. I don't want the gospel to just stay with you. I want it to go to the people you work with. I want it to go to your landlord. I want it to go to your boss. I want it to go to the one who you're mailing your electric bill to. I want the gospel to go forward from you so I want it to be deliverable to you so you can deliver it on to somebody else. And so in this series, that has been the purpose of the whole series. And so we want the Bible to be practical, holy, and deliverable. Everybody say this. I would if I knew. Have you ever asked that, been asked that question? What is God telling you to do? I would do it if I knew. I just don't know what he's telling me. Well, in everything going on in your life, I promise God is trying to get to you and speak to you and get you to hear his voice and get you to understand what he's showing you. In everything that's going on, if you'll look for God, God will begin to make his way into your life. And so I'm going to go back to this phrase time and time again throughout the message. And it says, I would if I knew. And Jesus' mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever. He tells you to do listen, we're all running out of something in your li- in our life And last week I said what is the one thing you're out of this week? I'm going to add to that question if you're still out of something. I believe he can fill it this morning But what is the one thing you're afraid of running out of? That's a whole different question Because what we're afraid of running out of is usually more the driving force in our life than the things we're not running out of we're afraid of running out so we're working harder to gain more to build a bigger lifestyle that we're only more afraid of running out of because now we're not just running out of the lifestyle we're running out of everything that the lifestyle has built right so we work tirelessly and endlessly because we're afraid of running out of something you know when you didn't have anything to run out of you weren't afraid of running out (laughs) but now that you got a lot of stuff You're afraid of running out of it, so you're working harder and twice as hard, having to make twice as much to maintain a lifestyle that you've built for yourself because of the one you're afraid of running out of. And so I'm gonna ask you, what are you afraid of running out of? Why are your kids on every ball team in the continent? Because I'm afraid my kids are not gonna have friends and they're not gonna relate and they're not gonna have this and they're not gonna have that. You're afraid of something. So now you have become the chauffeur to a 10 year old hallelujah thank you jesus praise god you got the 10 year old but now you're his chauffeur because you're afraid that your child is not going to have something that all the other kids have listen all the other kids don't have it my kids keep asking me dad when are we going to get a cell phone you ain't you ain't that's not fair yeah it is get a job you ain't getting it my eight-year-old came up to me the other day and said dad I'll to my cell phone when I get it <laughs> and I'm like you ain't even got a phone he's like I know but when I get it <laughs> sometimes we fe- teach faith a little too much in our house amen <laughs> right when I get it what are you so afraid of running out of are you afraid of running out of the energy that you have to sustain because you're always the life of the party What are you afraid of running out of? What is the driving force that makes you get up and get on this hamster wheel going over and over and over and over again, because you're afraid of running out of something? In everybody's life, there's this thing that we're afraid of, running out of. And I want you to picture what that is. And then I want you to listen to this rest of this message. Notice what Jesus did. Notice that Jesus let it run out We don't like that part of the message I'm so afraid of running out Jesus I let it run out (laughs) Jesus knew the wine was almost gone Everybody knew the wine was almost gone Everybody knew when the wine was gone Because Jesus mother came to him and said there is no more wine He said it ain't even my problem Right woman what does it have to do with me? All right, It's not politically correct in this age to talk like that, but right? He knew it was gone, and Jesus let it run out. Verse 3, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said, they have no wine, and if we want to keep this message practical... When we run out, not if we run out, because there is a point in your life that most of us are going to run out unless you make a big shift right now during this message. When we run out, the Christian answer that we always tell people when they run out is, well, just do whatever he tells you to do. And our answer is because we're out and we've been out for so long and we're just realizing that we're out, I would if I knew what he was telling me what to do. And Mary's answer to this question is amazing. She said, do whatever. That's so profound, huh? Do whatever he tells you to do. See, some of us are looking for this great big glory cloud to come and drop on our heads and say this, oh, do this, now that you're out of (laughs) wine, No, it's, guys, go to the jars. Remember we talked about it last week? The thing you already been to, washed in, and walked away from? Oh, see, we don't like that. The marriage you've been to, washed in, and walked away from, right? The kids that you want them to walk away from, right? And he said, just do whatever, whatever he tells you to do. See, a lot of us don't want to do whatever he tells us to do. We want something brand new from God when we didn't even do from God, the last thing that he told us to do. And that may be the reason you're out. Come on. I'll preach myself happy if it doesn't make y'all happy. I've done this time and time again in my own life I'll be working and I'll be doing and I'll be going and we'll be accomplishing and we'll be achieving and the church will be growing and everything And I'll find myself at the end of the day God I'm out and he said you never had it to begin with And my answer is I would if I knew what to do and God says why don't you just do whatever I've already told you to do See, it's not rocket science how to get filled up. You already know how to do it. We just don't want the discipline to go pray. We want somebody to pray for us. Oh, come on now. We don't want the discipline to open up and read the Bible. We want to download the app, and I'm just going to listen to scriptures all day. Right? No, open up your Bible. Read it. We don't want to turn on worship music because we're in a bad mood. Well, the answer to your bad mood is worshiping somebody who's in a good one, and that's God. I'm telling you. See, we really don't want to do what we already know to do. We want something new that we can say, I never knew that before. And so then we won't do that, but now we're happy because we got new information. When new information, if it's not applied, doesn't help anyway. And if God is the best steward or manager of all his resources, why would he give you something brand new revelatory if you haven't even used what he's already given you? And don't act like that's a new concept because if you're a parent, you've done this to your kids. (laughs) Mom, I want a new toy. You don't even play with the ones you got. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You know. Either you're mad because you're the kid... Or or you're a parent saying, fine. Right? So with this, I want to tell you something. Do whatever. Whatever you already know to do, begin to do it. You already know the key to having a joyful heart. It's thankfulness. And if you'll start thanking God for what he's already doing, maybe he'll show you what he's about to do. You already know the keys to almost every area of your life, but we have great amounts of knowledge that we don't want to apply, but until we start applying it, God's not going to release the next step for where you're supposed to go to. So I'm telling you this morning, do whatever He tells you to do. Why would Jesus let it run out? Let's just ask this question. God, if you really love me, you would have... right? Mary Martha did it Jesus Jesus if you really loved us you would have been here and Lazarus wouldn't have died Why would Jesus intentionally Let it run out and now let's make it personally Why would Jesus intentionally let you get to nothing rock bottom empty in your fuel tank? Why would he do it if he loves me? Why would he do it because maybe he's trying to get you something better than you came to the party with in the first place? But you won't depend on him until there's nothing left of you. See, the bridegroom didn't need Jesus until the wine was gone. He didn't even need it when there was one glass left. So Jesus had to let it run out so the need for him would have arrived. Some of you are so focused on who you are and who you want to become, you don't realize who God's trying to make you become. And with that in your life, I'm telling you this morning that some things may be running low or running out in your life is because God's trying to give you a sign and say, look up at me, look up at me. You're doing it all in you. And if you'll start doing it in me, I can fix every problem that you have. But until you turn to me, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of your faith, until you lift your head up and begin to look at me, you're never going to be fulfilled in what you're doing. Why would he let it run out? If he's a loving God, He's a merciful God. His mercy let it run out before it cost you something called your life. He's trying to get you to depend on him in every aspect of your life. And if you'll begin to depend on him in every aspect of your life, you're going to tap into the flow of who he is, not just what he can do. And if you tap into who he is, you're never going to run out of what he has. Not in what he can provide for you. Your answer is in who he is. And in everything Jesus is always doing, he's trying to reveal to you who he is, not what he can do. We've got to begin to walk in that power of God. So listen, if he's going to, if he lets it run out, he's going to replace it with something better than you came with. And listen, that does not mean go divorce your spouse because he's going to give you a better one. It means if your marriage is on empty and you'll surrender to him and submit yourself to him and kneel down before him and say, God, we can't do marriage without you in it. He'll make your dead marriage a brand new one. But some of y'all are out looking for a new one and when Damon said, all the single people stand up. That wasn't an invitation. Amen. I'm protecting you single people. So what is, what, what, what's the answer to our situation? If we're out, what is the answer to our situation? Here's answer number one. Mary, didn't, Mary, Mary on this one. She didn't know what to do, but she knew who to go to. She didn't know what to do. The wine was gone. She didn't know what to do, but in not knowing what to do, she knew who to go to, and your answer to the question is, I would if I knew, well, your answer is you already know, you don't know what to do, but you do know who to go to. Listen, Mary didn't go to the wedding planner, Mary didn't go to the bridegroom, Mary didn't go to the bride and tattle on the bridegroom and say, hey, listen, the wine's gone, you married a deadbeat. Come on. Man, I've done enough wedding rehearsals, where I've heard it all. <laughs> Pastor, can you talk about she's marrying somebody he shouldn't? Right? I mean, I've heard it all. She didn't go to the bridegroom. She didn't go to the bride. She didn't go to the wedding planner. She went to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you to do. And then after she went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I don't know what to do, but I know who to go to because I know who you are. I know who you are. Listen, when you don't know what to do, I'm telling you who to go to. You need to to go to the man who was sent directly from God himself from heaven down to this earth, who was born of a virgin Mary, who has grown up and lived a perfect life, who did three years of ministry and turned an upside down world right side up. And in those three years of ministry, he did miracles of healings, signs, wonders, set the foundation for everything that we read in the Holy Scriptures. Then he died and he paid for all of our sins. And then it wasn't good enough that he died and paid for us. Sins. God raised him again in newness of life so you can have newness of life and we're wondering who do we go to I'm telling you you go to the man who is sent from heaven to earth to change your life is who you go to you may not know what to do but I'm telling you you know who to go to and if you'll begin to go to that person You're going to see experience, a life change in your life that you never have before. Listen, the reason we are running out is because we're going to people who do not have what we need. We're going to people who do not have the answer for what we need. We're going to people who literally in our lives and we've aligned our lives with people who are takers, not givers. Because listen, everybody has this felt need. We all have a felt need called I need to be needed, right? Everybody needs to feel needed at some point. And so we align ourselves with people who need us. And when we align ourselves with people who need us, they're taking from our lives even though you think they're giving something into your life they're really taking something from your life and then when you're on empty and running out they're still wanting to take and when you think you finally need them and they're not there because you're out and they can't take anymore and, and they, they've moved on to somebody else to take from and you're left all alone because everything ran out some of y'all are nodding your head like I've been there, I'm in there, I'm doing that right now I'm telling you to quit you may not know what to do but I'm telling you who to go to you need to go to Jesus. And if you are always aligning yourself with people who are taking from you and you're having to give in to them, you're going to run out at some point because you are not inexhaustible, but he is the inexhaustible God. You are not full of energy and life that you can give in to everybody and not go into the presence of God and get something from him. Your felt need of always needing to be needed is wearing most of you out. And it's because you're insecure in yourself. All right, should I hide? Y'all, I got stones out, boy. (laughs) Telling you. And if we will go to the one who is life, if we will go to the one who is in us to go to, it'll change everything. The reason we're running out is because we've aligned ourselves with takers and not givers. We are going to people because we need life, and they're the ones taking the life out of us. Jesus said this in John 11:25. Jesus said to, to her, Mary, talking about Mary and Martha, Jesus said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life." Now, we always use those terms like they're synonymous and they can flip-flop and they mean the same thing. They don't mean the same thing. Jesus gave distinctions about who He is. He said, "I am resurrection." I have the power to raise the dead. I am life. That means there's something you need after you've been resurrected. And that's my life giving power to sustain you and to keep you full. And so when you're on empty and the wine's gone, you may not know what to do, but you know who to go to because now that you're dead and out, he wants to raise you back up. But he also wants to fill you back up with only the life that he can give and give you something better than you came with in the first place. Come on now. He wants to give you something so much better than you came with. And so when you don't know what to do, you know who to go to. Now listen to this. Mary, Jesus' mother, she didn't know what he would do, but she knew who he was. And I'm telling you this. I don't know what he'll do all the time, but I know who he is. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. And even when I don't see it, he's working. And even when I don't feel it, he's working. I'm telling you, he's always working on something for you. We just gotta pick our head up and look because if he is the way maker, if he is the miracle worker, if he is the promise keeper, if he is the light in the darkness, if he is all those things that we just previously sang about in this amazing worship set, if he really is all those things, I don't know what he'll do, but I know who he is because he is still my way maker. He is still my miracle worker. He is still my light in the darkness. He is still my God. And even when I don't know that he's working on something, I got to know that he's working on something. Because he doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't fall short. He's never let me down. And I'm telling you, I don't know what he'll do. I don't know all of your situations. I don't know what he's going to do. But I know who he is. I can recount the miracles that he did. And if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that means he was the miracle worker then when he walked down the water and calmed the storms and the disciples were freaking out. That means I know in the storm of your life, whether it's proverbial or whether it's a real storm or a hurricane that you're in, Jesus can still walk on the scene and calm every wave of every wind, of every storm, of every drop, of every everything. He can stop it with one word. See, I don't know what he'll do, but I know who he is. And the reason I like this phrase I don't know what he'll do it doesn't mean I'm uncertain that he's going to do it it means I'm not putting him in my box of him having to do it my way see this will set some of you free you think if God's gonna move he's got to move in the way you want him to move and I'm telling you he's a good father but he'll move in his way and he really don't care what Joel T. Meyer thinks about the way he moves he's gonna move he's God This is why everybody, they're saying, oh, we need a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit again, and you're all expecting Acts chapter 2. Why are you pinning him down to one account in the scriptures from 2,000 years ago? Why can't he move in any way he wants to move? Why can't he just pour his spirit out all at once all over the world? Why does it got to be in an upper room? In Acts chapter 2, just like it was last time, the last time I looked at God, he doesn't do things repetitively over and over in the same way because he doesn't want you to box him in. He wants you to seek his face. He wants you to get to know who he is. And when you know who he is, you know what he will do. You know he will be the promise keeper. You know he'll be the way maker. You know he'll be the miracle worker. You'll know he'll be the light in the darkness. I don't know how the light's going to shine. I just know he's going to turn a light bulb on somehow. I don't know how he's going to do the miracle. I just know he's going to create the miracle and it's going to happen somehow. I don't know how he's going to make the way. But in the Red Sea, if he split a sea right down the middle. Man, I haven't even got halfway through my message. What you coming up here for? I got five more messages in this series. I'm telling you. She didn't know what he would do, but she knew who he was. And guys, I'm telling you, this is so important. I don't know what you're out of today, and I don't know what you're afraid of running out of today. But I am going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to be so bold. If you'll get to know who he is, you don't have to worry about what he'll do. If you'll get to know who he is, you don't have to worry about what he's going to do. See, Mary wasn't worried about what he was going to do. Mary knew who he was. She knew who he was because she was in him, and when he was a baby inside of her, and the Spirit of God came on him, and they met, and her and, and her and Elizabeth met him, and John the Baptist both jumped in the womb, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so she knew who he was from that day. She remembered the story of the angels when they came to him, said, "You're going to give birth to the Son of God Himself." She knew who he was, and after knowing who she was, who he was, she still raised him as a child, and he was, uh, she was his mother, and, and as she raised him, he brought him to the pastor. Over Temple and Mary, bless her heart, she lost the Son of God when He was twelve at the Temple, and see, but she knew who He was. She knew who He was, and I can't wait till the next series that we're going to start. It's called Flip Flop, and it's how Jesus will come into a flop of a situation and flip it, like house flipping. You know, you see a flop of a house, you see one that's falling apart, and, and somebody comes in with supernatural, amazing talent that I definitely do not have, makes it amazing and wonderful again. Hallelujah. Right? He wants to do that in every area of your life. He wants to go into the flopped areas of your life and flip them around and make them glorious. He went into the flop of this situation when they ran out of wine and flipped it around and made it glorious. And so I'm so excited about that. Mary had the flop of a lifetime. She had the Son of God in her care, custody, and control. And her and Joseph lost him. And they looked for him for three days and they finally found him and he was in the temple and Jesus looked at him and said, didn't you know I had to be up my father's business? See, she didn't know what he would do, but she knew who he was. But if you know who he is, you'll have confidence in what he'll do. And you're not going to worry about what he'll do because you know that who he is is going to trump whatever he's going to do because he is the son of God. He is Jesus Christ. And if you can trust him to save your soul from an eternal burning hell in the future to come, if you can trust him to do that, I think you can trust him to fill any need that you're running out of this morning. If you can trust him but it's not going to come in the sense of figuring out what he'll do. It's gonna come in the sense, I've gotta to get to know who he is. So the answer to your question, if you're running out or you're afraid of running out, it's the answer in these two things. I don't know, um, I, I don't, what, it's, uh, um, here we go. She didn't know what to do, but she knew who to go to. She didn't know what he would do, but she knew who he was. And I'm gonna close with this. If you'll just begin to go to who he is, He'll begin to show you things in his kingdom that'll transform who you are. And I want to, as I close this service, be very bold in going back to the first thing we talked about. I would if I knew. Well, now that you know who to go to and you know who he is, I'm going to give you your answer. Do whatever. Do whatever. And I say this with confidence because the Bible says this in Amos 3. God reveals his plans to his servants. God reveals his plans to those who serve him. In Amos chapter 3. He reveals his plans to those who serve him. And so if you're looking for God to give you an answer in your career, and you want him to fix your problems, why don't you get in on serving him and begin to work on his kingdom things so he can begin to work on your business things? See, sometimes we put God in this little bitty box and we think if I serve him, then he's going to give me Bible knowledge about a situation which is great, but pastor, Bible knowledge does not help me in my air conditioning business. I mean, it can help me minister, it can help me do some stuff, but Bible knowledge doesn't talk to me about this capacitor that's got to be replaced. It doesn't say that. It says he reveals his plans to those who serve him. So I believe if, if Rusty, you work in the fire department, I believe as you serve God in his house, he's going to begin to work on your behalf in your firehouse. He's going to begin to reveal plans to you in the firehouse concerning your life and your career because that's how you supply for your family and your wife and your kids. But see, we've limited God that if I serve in his house, he's just going to give me Bible knowledge. I don't put him in that In his house, he's going to begin to work on your house. He reveals his plans to those who serve him. Well, what does changing a diaper in the nursery have to do with anything? If you'll just serve, he'll show you the next step. Do whatever. But a lot of us don't want to do whatever. We want more knowledge. The miracle doesn't happen in the knowing. It happens in the doing. The miracle doesn't happen in knowing about how Jesus will do it. It happens in the doing what Jesus would do. See, Mary told the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus told the servants, go draw some water out. He didn't say draw wine out. He said draw water out. Somewhere in the doing of putting the cup in and pulling the cup out, it changed from water to wine. And it didn't happen in the knowing. It happened in the doing. And so if we in the body of Christ would get active in the doing, I believe he would begin to be begin to be very active in the showing us and the knowing of what we need to do. This is why I love walking into TWBC and seeing a ton of these blue shirts. Because I have no doubt that God is going to pour out a vast amount of knowledge and revelation and, and, and his plans for your life and for the kingdom of God simply because you wear a blue shirt because that means you serve. Anybody who has a lanyard on for altar ministry, I love seeing those lanyards because God, he, he can't hold his plans back from you because you're serving and if we'll get in on uh, fulfilling kingdom shortages he'll get in on fixing our shortages so I'm going to ask you what are you afraid of running out of what are you afraid of what are you out of if you missed your opportunity this morning and you still need that miracle go to any of these people standing around the sides it's still there it's still there You've already heard the gospel this morning. It is Jesus Christ. It is the good news. And if you got one practice, it's this. You already know who to go to. And that's Jesus. You don't know what he'll do, but you'll know who he is. He's still the miracle worker, the way maker, the light in the darkness. So the only two things you got to know to practically apply this message to your life is when you're struggling or when your co-workers are struggling or when your kids are struggling, you lead them to the right person. And that's not you. That's Jesus. And you don't know what he'll do, but you know who he is. And by your own testimony, you know he's going to come through for them because he's came through for you. And if we do this out in the world that we live in, there will be no shortages of people coming to Christ in droves. But the first thing I want to ask you this morning is, do you really know Christ? He is the Son of God. He did die to take away your sins and shed His blood for your sins. He did get raised again from the dead by God Himself to give you new life. And my big concern in the church is this. That many of you had an encounter with God in VBS or kids camp or a camp years and years ago and you've been living your life off that encounter and you never made a decision to follow Jesus. I want to ask you, have you made a decision to follow Jesus this morning? If you haven't, any one of these people standing around are here to help you and minister to you and be there for you. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand. I'm also gonna ask this as you stand. Nobody leave where you're at. Nobody leave where you're at. If you're in the balcony, I want you to stay. If you're on the floor, I want you to stay because listen, this is the most important time in people's lives. And just because I think we're gonna have have an issue with this, if you're on the altar team and you're not scheduled to serve today, can you just go and make your way to a wall and and get ready to serve anyway? Because I think we're gonna have a ton of people who need prayer. And people are still needing their miracles and all that good stuff that that we've talked about. And so as they're making their way over there, would you close your eyes and pray with me and get ready to take a step of faith? Father, in the name of Jesus, for all those people who are out and empty and don't have any, I pray that they would take a step of faith. I pray that you would give them courage, Lord God, to take one step in faith, carry them the rest of the way. Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness to take one step and faith carry them the rest of the way. Lord God, I pray for that man and that woman who need a marriage fixing. I pray for that man and that woman who have child issues. I pray for that man and that woman, Lord God, who need a touch from you. I also pray for those individuals who have never made Jesus Christ Lord of their life, that you would give them boldness and courage to step out and go and accomplish their destiny and make Jesus Christ Lord of their life. So with all the courage you got, don't wait for the person around you to move. If you need to go and get prayer, I want you to start pushing people out the way and get there quick. It ain't rude. You're hungry. Go meet Jesus. Here we go. He's the miracle worker. He's the way maker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. Get ready to move in three, two, one. Go get whatever you need because he's there to fulfill it.